want to wish all moms, wherever you are, happy Mother's Day. And for this special day, although we should be celebrated all the time, I want to give you a gift, an episode of conversation with Kate Swenson. Kate found herself down a very unexpected path. And in doing so, she has found unconditional love, grace, and joy. So here's Kate Swenson and a very uplifting, wonderful conversation. Happy Mother's Day. I dreamed of being a mother from an incredibly young age. While some little girls daydream up about being a ballerina or becoming president, I wanted a family. Sylvia and me. 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 Hi, I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her. Hi everyone, my name is Kate Swenson. I am a mother of four from Minnesota. I worked um, my career in nonprofit and giving back and really filling my cup up by helping people. And then had um, my first son, Cooper, who has autism. And that really took me on what I call a pivot where um, suddenly everything is different and yet you know, he is the same, but we have to make changes to help him and give him his best life. And uh, flash forward, I am a blogger and an influencer, and I published my first book, had um, a bunch more kids, and (laughs) really trying to find balance. That is my everyday thing. I don't have an answer for that one yet, and excited to be here. So welcome to Sylvia and me. Hey. What a great introduction. And you are one busy, busy mom. Your son, Cooper, is 11. And as you said, you have four children. Uh, Cooper's the oldest. I believe your daughter, Winnie, is about 10, 11 months now. Yes, she is. How fantastic. And as you mentioned, you're, you're a blogger. You're an influencer. You started with Finding Cooper's Voice blogging. And your book, which came out uh, recently, just a few days ago, Forever Boy, A Mother's Memoir of Autism and Finding Joy. And people wouldn't exactly put those words together. So to there are a couple of things. One, I know that approximately one in 54 children in America is diagnosed with, diagnosed with autism. Um, April was Autism Awareness Month, so I know you've been a very busy, busy lady. <laughs> yes. Uh, and when you started Finding Cooper's Voice, you now have close to a million people in the community. Mm-hmm. So what I'd like you to do, if you would, the introduction to your book, if you could read that, I think it sets the tone mm-hmm. for how you can even put the two words, autism and joy on the same cover. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I will read the introduction, which is actually the last thing I wrote, which is kind of interesting. I wrote the whole book and then they're like, now you did an intro. (laughs) (laughs) So I dreamed of being a mother from an incredibly young age. While some little girls daydream up about being a ballerina or becoming president, I wanted a family. I would fantasize about it often with my Barbies and baby dolls, playing house well into my tweens. 
When I moved into my first home with my fiance, my mother dropped off numerous tubs of my childhood belongings in my kitchen. It appeared she had saved everything. In the first tub, I found awkward photos of me in thick glasses with a bowl cut. My mother calling it the Dorothy Hamill and saying it was darling. It was not. <laughs> Faded second and third place ribbons from elementary school track meets, handwritten notes to friends, and countless diaries with little keys. The secrets of my life inside. Brody and I are going to get married and have five babies and dogs and horses and live in a big, beautiful house. We will have three girls and two boys. I will be a veterinarian. He will play professional basketball and we will be in love forever. Our life will be perfect. I was seven and it was obvious I had my whole life planned out. But not once did it occur to me that one of my babies could have a disorder that would prevent him from communicating even his simplest needs. Or that his body would grow, but his understanding of safety and independence might not. Nobody thinks it could happen to their child. But the thought nagged me for years after we learned the diagnosis. What if I had known? What if someone had whispered the secrets of my future in my ear during my pregnancy, as if they had a crystal ball? You and your baby are destined for a world different than most. You will call him Cooper, yet the world will call him disabled. It will be hard at first. You will experience suffering, struggle, and sadness, but eventually you will overcome it and catch a glimpse of the inevitable, unbelievable joy he brings to your world. You will come to understand that, in fact, you are the lucky one. But the beginning, well, it will nearly break you. If I had been warned about autism and all it would change, would I have run away crying or laughed out loud? I guess I'll never know. I do know that, that nothing prepared me for the way stress and worry would overshadow a large part of my life for years to come. And I don't know if anything truly could have. It was something that I had to experience for myself. You may read the first chapters of this book and think it's a sad story, but keep going. You'll see it is not. You may also think it's a story about a boy with autism. And while yes, Cooper is certainly the star, it is also the story of me as a mother finding my way down an unexpected path. It is a story of, mistake, of mistakes and triumphs, of altered dreams and agonizing hope, a story of marital compromise and sibling rivalry and the shifting perspectives of advocacy as I tirelessly find new ways to give my nonverbal boy a voice in this world. In the end, it's about discovering exactly who I was meant to be, and I owe it all to my son. As I said, that that really sets the tone of the book and, and, and your story. And can you go back to when when Cooper was diagnosed, when you received the diagnosis, I believe he was three years old. Mm -hmm. Did you have any, you know, as a mom, I know we sit around and they give out these charts on people, you know, this is when a child's supposed to do this. And this is when a child's supposed to do that. It's like, this is when women are supposed to get married and this is what yeah. we're supposed to do and how we feel and so on and so forth. Um, Tell us about, can you talk about that journey going up to getting the, the diagnosis? Mm -hmm. So I knew something was going on with Cooper just because um, he was he was different than any child I had ever met right from day one. So brought him home and he never slept. And I would call my mom and my mother-in-law and my pediatrician and my nurse on call and I would just cry and be like he doesn't sleep he doesn't sleep and to paint the scene in 24 hours as a newborn he was sleeping about six hours and not i mean just in little tiny bursts and uh, my fourth baby just slept 23 hours as a newborn so <laughs> that kind of sets the scene and I, I was really met with 
you must have postpartum, you're exaggerating. Of course he sleeps, everybody sleeps, every baby sleeps. And he didn't, <laughs> but it was really hard and conflicting because I was like, well, I'm seeing something and I'm feeling it and, I'm, and I don't want to be thinking it, but I am, but no one believes me. So went on and he met his physical milestones, which was great, which can often happen. He sat and crawled and did all that, those things, but he never babbled. And that was kind of, even today at 11, he didn't, he's never babbled. And it was kind of our key into this other world where someone would take me seriously. But um, it took us years to get a diagnosis and it, it's still that way today. Waiting lists, is he or isn't he? I call it the in-between in between space. You know, I wanna know what's going on. I wanna help him, but I don't want it to be this thing. So I would go back and forth. And the day we got the diagnosis, I was actually relieved. I was like, finally, we know. And to touch on those lists that you just mentioned, I still have PTSD over them because I went on to have three kids. So, you know, what you're referencing is every doctor's appointment you go, you get given this thing, this piece of paper. And I remember looking at them and being like, nope, mm -mm, nope. <laughs> like it was so hard. Um, and now knowing what I know, those lists are, are, they're not gospel. They're not black and white. Like they appear to be every kid does things on different timelines. They are a valuable resource, but gave me PTSD. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing. Um, especially when we are around, you're around your son all the time, the pediatricians, the, the, other doctors, your mom, your mother-in-law, they're not. And mm -hmm. there are so many times that we are not listened to mm -hmm. and we're not heard and we're looked at as being hysterical or, you know, it's probably postpartum and, and we're, we're just blowing things out of the water. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that someone should have made this i know it's it's a crazy question but should they have made this diagnosis before oh yeah I listen I, to you oh i think cooper should have been diagnosed um probably like if it today he would probably be diagnosed around 18 months which is early but he was classic autism and, and the thing is is i have a lot of um guilt, regrets, I mean, all those big feelings, uh, working on giving myself grace, but we were really doing all the things we could have been doing. So it wasn't like he was missing out on early intervention, but he should have been diagnosed earlier. Absolutely. You also talk about when you first learned the diagnosis of some of the emotions you went through, the grief, the frustration, the exhaustion. Can you talk about those three emotions and, and why they were so central to what was going on in your life? Well, special needs parenting grief is actually a thing, but it's kind of taboo to talk about. And I, you know, in all of my writing and sharing, I even, you know, with nearly a million followers, pull away from it because it's hard to understand how um, a parent can be sad about um, a child standing right in front of them who is adorable and blonde and squishy and perfect, right? But it's not that we're grieving the the beautiful boy who is the love of my life. It was the change and all the things that may never happen. 
and it's hard it's it's confusing and it's scary and you don't want to talk about it because people will judge you and i remember the first time someone said well who cares if he ever talks and i was like what oh my goodness like i want to hear i love you and i want to hear all those words and now i mean he's 11 i'm in a great place he communicates this morning he said bus upstairs first time like unprompted he was like bus it was i mean amazing but um, I went through a lot of big feelings and a lot of hard years and parents should be allowed to express that and go through it and talk about it and find a counselor that can understand and a friend, but it is a taboo subject and the exhaustion. And what was the other one? Frustration. Frustration. I remember the first time I had to go, I mean, just crazy on a doctor, which is so out of my comfort zone. I am a fall in line. I will do what you tell me type person. And no one would take us seriously and no one would help me help my son. He had so many health problems and um, because he was a challenging little patient, no one would help him. And I, I, it was so frustrating to have all these doors slammed in our face because of autism. And parents are still doing that today. And the exhaustion, well, there's the physical exhaustion of never sleeping. Um, but there is another type of exhaustion that it's again, not talked about of carrying the weight yes. of the diagnosis for my little boy. Um, do you know, that just this morning I was lying in bed and I was thinking, cause we have an interview this afternoon that Cooper needs a haircut and it's still to this day, one of the hardest things ever. And we finally found a beautician that we can go to the salon. We've been there twice now after hours and, and it's a marathon and a sprint, but I was thinking in bed this morning, who's going to do that after I die? Who's going to, I mean, just, just like that. I just had that thought. So um, that's exhausting. And that exhausting. Yeah. So there's all these big feelings that go into this. And as you, as you, um, grief is not linear. Exhaustion is not linear. All these things. So my, my message today is, you know, mamas and dads, give yourself grace. I know I, I said it before, but you're going through something big. Well, as you said, um, Cooper said bus for the first time today. Uh, he was diagnosed at the age of three. And when did you see something? You talk about when he first had the television on. Yeah. And yeah. his reaction to that. So um, a lot of parents with autism will describe what I'm about to describe. I could see Cooper, it's, it's, imagine, actually I was right about this age, 18 months, I could see him, I could smell him, I could you know, squish his little cheeks, um, but it was almost as if he was a ghost in our home because he was very much in his own world and he didn't communicate and he spent a lot of time wandering, that's what he did. It was like he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. He didn't understand toys, he didn't understand playing outside. You know, we'd put a bat in his hand and he'd be like, we put him in a sandbox and he's like, like what, what it's like he didn't understand what any what he was supposed to do in a certain setting and I have this memory and I put it in the book and I actually just came across the picture the other day he was wearing white jammies with stars on them and the tv was on and Barney came on that purple dancing dinosaur and all of a sudden he lifted his head up and he just stood taller and came alive and was dancing and it was the music and the bright colors and it's he had he had found his joy and for a long time i was so thankful that he finally had something that made sense to him but 
uh, still to this day, 11, very technology focused. So eventually it kind of turned a corner where it's like, we can't always watch Barney, buddy. We can't always have this. And, um, but technology is still really his whole world. Okay. Um, at the age of eight, things changed. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what exactly changed in not just Cooper in how you actually started looking and accepting certain things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hit my lowest point uh, a little bit prior to that. We were told really hard things by all the professionals that shouldn't have been said. I mean, just things that really just dark, negative things. And then on top of that, he was a really challenging kiddo. He couldn't communicate. He didn't sleep. He ran from our home. He had behaviors, which for anyone that doesn't know what behaviors are, like he would put everything in the bathtub. He would strip every bed down to the mattress. He would line up every chair in our house. We'd have to have all the lights off. We'd eat with headlamps. Uh, Just incredibly rigid behaviors, unsafe in the car. And I could go on and on. And I hit my low point and I really saw that autism was forever. I had been living in this place where it's like, I'm going to get him talking and I'm going to get him playing and I'm going to get him in school and we're going to be fine. This is fine. And um, we entered a place of aggression, which is something that we hadn't had. And aggression was something you don't talk about. You don't share with your neighbors that he was hitting and that he was hurting himself and others. And we just really closed ourselves off to the world. And I hit my lowest point and um the next day i realized i had to change cooper was who he was i had to find the ways to help him i had to look at autism differently and from that became this whole total transformation in me where i was like i'm missing this kid's life i'm missing it i'm missing the joys and um it it didn't happen overnight it's a journey you have to take alone (laughs) and once i did it um i became a completely different person it's really what the book is about is cooper was exactly who he was supposed to be it was me that had to change and i wish someone would have told me that in the beginning who would have told you that i know you've all been telling others (laughs) right you've opened the world to being able to talk not just with uh families that have children who have autism, but anyone whose child is different with special needs, you've opened up the world to families with autism in in so many ways, but you are also helping so many other people. And when you started finding Cooper's voice, what, what made you think that you know, you were talking about things that were going on in your life on a daily basis. Why? So I actually started as a blog back when blogging was super cool. WordPress. (laughs) And oh my gosh, it was so funny. I started from my couch. I can still see us sitting there. And I said to my husband, I'm going to start a blog. And he's like, what's the name? And I'm like, I'm not telling you because I didn't want him to read it. But Cooper wasn't even diagnosed. Autism wasn't, you know, uh, associated with him yet. But I had all these big feelings and I was like, I have to just put this out into the world. I can't be the only mom scared and worried and confused. And it wasn't until probably about four years ago, I started the Facebook page where I really started growing. And when I did that, I had one purpose, find one other kid 
like Cooper, find one other family like ours, because where were they? One in 54, one in 44, whatever statistic you want to find. Um, that means they're, kids are everywhere, right? And I right. couldn't find them. And my Facebook page really changed my life in the sense that I could talk about the, the unique joys and the struggles and the sad parts and find other people that were going through the same thing. It changed my life. Um, and I think it, you know, I had this event yesterday for 150 moms and it was a day of tears and joy. And do you know how many people said to me, you saved me? And it's such a weird thing to hear because I'm like, how, I, you know, and they were like, I was on my bathroom floor crying. I couldn't do this autism thing alone. And suddenly I found your page and you were talking about my life. It gives me goosebumps right now because that's what I needed. And I was able to create this for other people. So humbling. Using your voice, it's, 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 we all have a voice, but yes. so many are afraid to use it. Um, the stigma, uh, you know, how could you be, how could you be angry? How could you be grieving? Um, people don't understand that grief is so many things. It's not just losing something. It's, it's so many things and we need to attach the word to it. We should be able to and feel that. And you've given people a safe place, sometimes with humor. I've read a lot of your blogs and they are, some are just absolutely tear your heart. And, um, but each one has something in there that you could find joy out of. Mm -hmm. Someone, I, we watched a movie at Christmas time this year on Netflix, whatever the popular Christmas movie was. And one of the characters said, grief is love. And I, um, I, that really touched me because it is, it's so much love. When you think about grieving something, it's you, you love them so much. And that would really help kind of shift my mindset where I can talk about this. Well, you also talk about steps towards acceptance. And one of them is what's, what's one of the top, top step for acceptance? Well, I don't know which one you're, you're thinking of, but for me, you know, it was really just acknowledging my feelings and sitting in it for a while. I, um, I was keeping myself perpetually busy. I was never slowing down to acknowledge that Cooper may never talk. He may have autism forever, you know, these different things. And, and looking at what life will be like then, and it was okay, we're here now, we're good, we're good. So I tell so many moms, you have to feel these feelings. You can't outrun them. You have to take this journey. You have to walk through this. And when I see moms of older kids now, um, as with any group, some of them are really angry still. And I have this hunch that they just never processed and felt and sat in it for a while. And it, um, if you don't do that, you're going to end up really bitter. And it, that's no way to live your life. And in fact, um, you're happily married, but that wasn't always the case. No, that's the biggest surpriser in the book, the spoiler alert. My husband and I actually got divorced. We, uh, life was hard. And um, 
I dove into autism so fully. Um, I will even call myself a martyr. I was just going to help him and this is my whole life. And I just kind of pushed everything away. And my husband wasn't on the ride with me. He was, Cooper's gonna be fine. This is not a big deal. And I just decided to do it alone. And we, there are other, obviously other issues too, but we separated and came back together about a year and a half later, fully ready to take this on together and went on to have more kids and uh, life is a lot better now. But a lot of families and couples go through this roller coaster and uh, they come to me and they ask me and, and I'm just honest, it was really hard. You, um, as you've mentioned, you have three of the children, uh, two boys and a little girl. How did you how did you make the decision to have more children? And was it scary going through each one of the I won't say pregnancies, but the actual birthing and 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 um were you afraid of of what may or may not happen with any additional children? Mm -hmm. Do you know that's the most common question that I'm asked by moms is that about the decision to have more kids. So yes, huge thing. So with Sawyer, no, because I didn't know they're only two years apart. So I didn't know Cooper was autistic yet or that anything was really wrong besides, you know, seeing some things. Uh, but I didn't, I did feel like I wasn't going to be able to be enough for two kids. I mean, Cooper was so demanding and so consuming of my time, his needs and his care. It ends up being fantastic. It was a Sawyer is the best thing ever and really kept me grounded in, I always say there's two different worlds, the autism world, and then this world over here. And I'm a mom holding, you know, straddling with two kids. And then, um, yes, the decision to have two more kids, we, it wasn't easy. And there were tears and fights and debates and would we be enough for Cooper if we had another baby what if we had another child with special needs and we put that pressure on Sawyer I mean we're talking we went to the depths of the discussion barrel on everything and ultimately I wanted more kids I'm like we will love this baby absolutely no no matter what um terrified the first I would say two months of my third son's name is Harbor of his life when he was being a challenging sleeper I'll tell you that and it actually came up yesterday from a girlfriend she's like I remember when you were drinking drinking a coffee just sobbing because you were so scared and I had a pediatrician say to me calm down let's control what we can control relax and enjoy this and then with our fourth I didn't worry as much because I think I had been there done that but um i i wanted more babies that's really my answer babies are the best <laughs> and you've been able to manage your family and your children um in an accepting loving family i mean we i am raising little advocates and a, a lot of that comes from modeling and seeing right sure. but it's in there. It's in them. They, I, I have a, a letter to my son Sawyer, which is probably the most popular part of the book. And at the end of the letter, I um, tell him that I think he is so lucky to have Cooper because he is seeing a world that most will never see. He's seeing kindness, bravery, courage, 
um, evil. I'm not going to, I mean, he's seeing all these different things that most will never understand. And uh, I think he's lucky and um, watching their relationship develop is really beautiful. And tell us about Cooper today. (laughs) How is is he? I mean, because I know that he, I believe you have on on medication, which you really didn't want. You were, you were afraid of putting him on it because you, you, you know, as, as so much, you don't want to just medicate a child, Mm -hmm. but there are some medications that are helpful. You're not medicating him so that he won't be a bother to you. You're medicating him because it helps him. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that journey into that decision and what it actually did for Cooper or has done? Yeah, there are so many stigmas around giving kids medications. But in our journey, no one ever even mentioned medications. We were, it's so interesting that it was presented to us that Cooper has autism. Like think of like this, like suitcase, like he has autism. This is his thing. He will have it forever. But when in really, in reality, he had anxiety terribly. He had ADHD terribly. And no one ever mentioned these things to us. He had trouble sleeping, which is a whole other thing, you know, these coexisting conditions. And it wasn't until one day uh, we were at a really low point with, again, those aggressions and that self-injuring, which were coming from that anxiety that my mother-in-law said to me, Katie, if he was a diabetic, you would give him insulin. He, his head hurts, something hurts in him. And I made the appointment to talk to a doctor about medications and then I canceled it because I was terrified because I felt like it was in at that moment, well, we're giving up now and we're just going to medicate him, which is absolutely crazy. So please know that. We went to the appointment and I had this whole list of things like really going to sell my story of why this little boy was struggling. And, you know, we get in there, Cooper drops to the ground, he starts kicking the table and he's rolling around, he's hitting his head. And she put her hand on my shoulder and she's like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. We're going to help him. And I felt like this weight had been lifted, that weight that we talked about. We started him on Prozac for anxiety. And within 24 hours, Cooper sat for the first time in his entire life. And he was wearing a red shirt and he was sitting on the couch and my husband and I walked by and we stopped and I actually dropped the laundry basket that I was holding and we stared at him and he looked up at us and he smiled and he's like, probably like, what are you looking at? And we sat with him for 30 minutes, almost makes me cry on either side of him and we touched him and we rubbed his arms and his back and um, for the next you know as he just kept getting better still autistic never trying to remove that that would never go away but the anxiety let go of him and he held his brother for the first time he sat he he played in his own way he communicated he now has 20 or so words all these things happened and in the beginning i had thought that i had assumed that medication would take away his personality It gave him his personality for the first time he had one. So best decision we ever made. I try to be a really big advocate for that to looking into these things. Now he's 11. He's a fifth grader. He's going to be in middle school next year. And while he still has so many struggles, I'll never, I will never sugarcoat over the hard parts of severe autism. They're very real, but in our home, he's our easiest kid. (laughs) Um, Happy, thriving. Mm-hmm. What was his first word that he said? Oh, mm, uh, mm, mom. 
That's how he says it. He says it a million times a day. It's mm, ah, mm, and ah, ah, ah is dad. And um, it, he, you know, he, 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 he is this joyful human and every day of his life is the best day of his life. He's never woke up crabby. And I have a nine-year-old who wakes up crabby every single day. So let me tell you, that's, that's torture. But it's just watching him live this full, happy life, different than what everyone thinks a full, happy life is, has been really fun. I, I think of myself as a tour guide. Well, towards the end of the book, I'm just going to read a couple of lines um, because I think they, again, what you are telling people, our kids are lifelong learners. Development doesn't stop at age four or six, like I was told so many times over the years. Our children have limitations. Every person does. There is no denying that. Feel the grief, feel the pain. You had expectations as a parent and they didn't come true. You are not a bad person for being sad about that. You don't love your child any less. Give yourself grace. I've had so many mistakes. I have made so many mistakes as a mother, many of them publicly. I am not perfect. I am far from it. Know when to push and when not to. It's a fine line even for me today. Choose your battles. As a special needs parent, there is no phoning it in. If your child is like my son, he needs to be taught everything. The goal should always be independence for our children. That is one of the keys to happiness. In my opinion, being able to independently live your life. I know that may never happen fully for Cooper, but I want him to be as close to independence as he possibly can. That is my most important job as a mother to prepare Cooper for the future. Mm -hmm. The words you're, you're, you're putting out there now, I might not have read them as eloquently as, as you would have, but it speaks volumes for what you are doing for so many and what you've done for yourself and your family and for Cooper. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not going to ask you what you have on your plate to do the future because it seems the future is changing all the time yes and isn't that great he says 20 words now you never know when he comes on with his 21st 22nd word mm -hmm. um you're you're raising children who are advocates who are living a life that not many people have the luck to be able to live mm-hmm um, and you're doing it with grace. <laughs> I try. Yes. <laughs> Listen, tears come. The grief, as you said, it doesn't go away. Mm -mm. You learn how to let it come over you when it needs to. And then, and for you, you talk about how the acceptance was within you mm -hmm. and how mm -hmm. that's changed. So what what is the best advice the most helpful advice that you would tell anyone with a special needs child find people who understand your life it's essentially what i built in my facebook page and my supporter group find moms dads grandparents wherever you are adjacent to the person with special needs in your life find your counterpart you don't have to go through this alone. And I think in the in the beginning, um, I was so 
angry and so sad and so busy, right? I was so busy that I didn't have time to, to, to find anybody. And I think if I would have had others who knew what I was going through and I could send a midnight text to or have, you know, drop coffee off at my house or whatever, um, there wouldn't be this book, I'll tell you that. So find the people who understand your life share with them let them help you there's no medal given out at the end of this life for the mom who did it alone find the people i have a mom uh, local to me who um door dashes me coffee on my hardest days and it is the sweetest gesture and she has a daughter who's struggling it's like how kind are you to to think of me so find those people and and there's gonna be someone listening that's saying i can't find them you can you just reach out at school, be brave, find someone online, put yourself out there and it will change your life. Hey, thank you so much for joining me today and giving so many people hope and light. Where can people find out more about you? So I have a website, findingcoopersvoice.com, where I put all my blogs and you can find out about um, speaking and all that sort of fun stuff, my foundation. Um, Facebook is really my active community. So if you want to learn, if you want to share a post with someone who doesn't understand autism, it's a great place to come. I talk about autism in a non-clinical way, which means you're not going to see like the signs of autism. You're going to read a story about us visiting the grocery store for the first time, and and it's going to really paint a picture for you. My book is on Amazon and independent bookstores. I always like to give them a shout out because they're my favorite. And I have a supporter group too called Coops Troops, which is a really great place to check out if you are a parent or a grandparent or a teacher or a therapist, because you can ask questions in a safe place and meet someone who understands what you're going through. So come check that out as well. You mentioned your foundation. I just briefly want people to know about it. It's called The More Than Project, and it was co-founded by you and Amanda DeLuca in, in 2021. I almost said 1921, 2021. You're both moms special with special needs children. Uh, tell us just a little bit briefly about what the More Than Project is. Mm-hmm. So I have this belief, and it's the last page of my book, that when you make it through your darkest days, help other moms. So once you make it through, reach out to them. And Amanda and I wanted to figure out a way to give back. So during COVID of all times, we noticed how so many moms were struggling and they couldn't leave their house. Like I couldn't, I still can't hardly go to the doctor or the dentist. I might have four kids. Plus what do I do with Cooper? So we offered free mental health counseling to caregivers. We found a company that would do it via Zoom and they understood special needs parenting and we gave it to all these mamas. And we're like, okay, there's more than we can do. So we um, started a more than a teacher found initiative, uh, more than a sibling initiative to honor those, you know, tiny humans born into advocacy. Um, who, you know, we're, we just keep coming up with ways that we can help people and remind them that they are more than their diagnosis. They are more than the labels that they are given. And we're having a lot of fun doing it. So we're partnering with companies that employ solely adults with disabilities, physical and intellectual. So raising money, however we do that, and then giving it back 100%. And it's our passion project. And we're having a lot of fun doing it. Hey, keep up the great work. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, 
please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. This has been a Life of Prey production.